Welcome to Torah Talk, a program that challenges 2,000 years of misunderstanding and neglect of the Torah, God's law. In this show, we will be threshing ideologies by examining these scriptures in their Hebraic contexts. Our goal is to separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from misconception. This program is sponsored by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. Shalom, lovers of the Torah. Thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. I'm your host, Pastor Mark. Today I'd like to share some thoughts about Rosh Hashanah, and more specifically, Yom Teruah. You're going to be hearing a lot of things about what this holy day represents in the next couple weeks as we move into the fall festivals, and also the traditions surrounding it. Some of these are rooted in the biblical text, and others are rooted in the traditions of men. Now, in Messianic Judaism, our emphasis is is forever the sacred scriptures, the written text of the Bible. Traditions are fine and even good if they support and facilitate the truths and principles of the sacred text of the Bible. If they obscure the text or undermine it, they need to be trashed. So if you're wanting some ideas about this holy day of God that are rooted in the biblical text, well, you've reached the right podcast. Welcome to the show. Now, I want to read off uh, Chabad.com concerning Rosh Hashanah. It states, quote, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. It is the anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve and a day of judgment and coronation of God as king, unquote. In this podcast, I want to explore the idea of God as king over our lives. What does this mean? And what about Messiah? Doesn't God install him as king over all? And if so, isn't it incumbent upon us to coronate Messiah as king over our lives? So stay with me as we look into Yom Teruah, the day of blowing the shofars and the coronation of God as king. Now keep in mind that this is a midrash, not to be construed as a doctrinal statement or theological treatise on the subject. I'm simply wrestling with the passages to better inform you as well as myself, and I reserve the right to change my mind on my ideas as I grow in the grace and knowledge of the Messiah. Now, the following uh, texts, uh, as I quote them from the uh, uh, Tanakh, they're going to be from the JPS translation. So let me pick up the reading in Leviticus chapter 23. This is where we have the list of the holy days, the appointed times that God gives to Moses to give to his covenant people, Israel. Leviticus 23, 23. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Israelite people thus, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe complete rest, a sacred occasion commemorated with loud blasts. You shall not work at your occupations, and you shall bring an offering by fire to the Lord. I just want to pull out some of the highlights of this uh, passage and and just note them. Uh, This celebration, this holy day, this appointed time, it begins on the first day of the seventh month. And it is uh, called correctly a holy day. It's holy to the Lord. And he says that we're to make this day holy. 
And how do we do that? We're, we're commanded to rest from our work. That's the first thing we do is we take the day off. It's a holy day. It's a holiday, if you will. And it's for you and for your family. This is part of the seasons of our joy. So we're, we're to take that day off and rest from our work from sunset to sunset. We're to do none of our normal occupational work, our secular work that we do to make a living. The next thing is we're, we're to gather together as believers. We're to gather together for worship and instructions and also to blow the trumpets, to make the sound of the shofar, to blow the trumpets. This is a day of blowing. We blow the trumpets all day long. We blow more on this day than any other day. And then also to bring an offering to the Lord. These are the principles that are found in the text. And of course, we're going to apply these principles uh, somewhat differently today than what we would uh, do in the day of Moses. Now, how do we derive from, from this passage, though, uh, this idea of coronating God as king over our lives? Where did we come up with that? How did this, this uh, emphasis uh, come to be? Well, keep in mind that God was viewed not only as uh, the creator, but also King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the sovereign king of the universe. In fact, God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt is cast within the framework of his kingship. After they come out of Egypt, after they cross the Red Sea, after it closes on their, their enemies, um, uh, we have what's called the Song of Moses. And in this uh, passage of this song, we have some, in, in, towards the end, in the closing comments of this song, we have this phrase, in Exodus 15 and verse 18 that states, the Lord will reign forever and ever. And this is the first occurrence of the name of God, the person of God, as connected with this idea of ruling and reigning, of kingship. It says, may the Lord rule forever and ever. May his reign be forever and ever. In other words, he is a great king. And may his kingdom endure forever and ever. This was the cry in the Song of Moses. It was understood in ancient Israel that God was not only a deliverer, but the sovereign over all of creation, seen and unseen. Now, I'm not sure how the coordination of God as our king became one of the themes of Yom Teruah again, but it did. And in the era of the kings of Israel, when we read about the kings of Israel, specifically in the book of Chronicles and later in the book of Kings, uh, in the era of the kings of Israel, the trumpets became a very important uh, part of, of the ceremony of installing a new king on the throne. And so when they brought the kings of Israel uh, into their kingdoms, when a new king was coronated, it was customary to blow the trumpets in that ceremony of installing that that man as a king in Israel. So that became a part of their culture and tradition. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it ended up like that, but it did. Suffice it to say, the blowing of the trumpets became integral to the ceremony of the coronation of a king. And perhaps this is how the coronation of God as king over us becomes part of Yom Teruah. Um, so that, that's not real clear, but that's about as good as it gets. Let me move on. The Tanakh reveals that God will give the kingdom, his kingdom, to his son, the Messiah. 
and then command everyone to submit to his reign. I want to pick up just one of the core passages that reveals that. This is Psalms chapter 2. There's other passages, of course, but I don't have enough time in this show to to look into all of them, but I want to look into Psalm chapter 2. This is a very messianic psalm, a psalm that really uh, uh, points forward to the Messiah becoming King of kings and Lord of lords. So I'll just begin and work my way down. It says in Psalms chapter 2, verse 1, in reading on, it says, Why do nations assemble and peoples plot vain things? Kings of the earth take their stand, and regents intrigue together against the Lord and against his anointed. In other words, uh, the kings of the earth, the governments of this, of this realm, they are against the Lord God, and they're against his anointed. That's a reference to his Messiah. And there's many Messiahs along the way in Israel's history uh, that are anointed by God, but they all point forward to this one consummate Messiah, who is both a, a, a uh, suffering servant and a reigning king. So they take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed. And they say, verse 3, let us break the cords of their yoke and shake off their ropes from us. In other words, they don't want anything to do with the government of the Messiah, this one that the Lord anoints. They don't want anything to do with his yoke, his government, his rule, his reign. Verse 4, he who is enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord mocks at them. Then he speaks to them in anger, terrifying them in his rage. Verse 6, but I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Now I want you to think about that. This is the dreadful sovereign of the universe. This is God himself as king over all. He says, I have installed my king. In other words, God has a king. God says, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And of course, the kings of Israel, and and most specifically, King David, is represented here, but they are foreshadowing the ultimate king, King Messiah, when he comes. And it says, but I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Let me tell of the decree, the Lord said to me. You are my son. I have fathered you this day. This is the ancient uh, language, if you will, the ancient liturgy of the coronation of a king in Israel. Uh, Today you are my son. Today I have fathered you. Ask ask it of me, verse 8, and I will make the nations your domain, your estate, the limits of the earth. You can smash them with an iron mace, shatter them like potter's ware. So now, O kings, be prudent. Speaking of the kings of this earth. So now, O kings, be prudent. Accept discipline, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord in awe. Tremble with fright. And pay homage in good faith. Now think about this. He's saying it's time for you to wake up and to realize that I've installed my king. And you need to recognize my king in in trembling and with fright. And you need to pay homage in good faith to my king, to the king I've installed. And it goes on to say, lest he be angered and your way be doomed in the mere flash of his anger. Speaking of the Messiah, as he becomes king, as he is crowned by his father, King of kings and Lord of lords. It says, pay homage to him. 
because in his anger, you, you simply will perish. Happy are all of those. It ends with this. Happy are all who take refuge in him. Now, now many scholars, both in Judaism and in Christianity, uh, say that this passage is actually a reference, ultimately, in its fullest sense, uh, to Messiah himself, and that Messiah himself becomes King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not only the Messiah. He's not only the suffering servant. He's not only the one who makes atonement for our sins. He actually is exalted and becomes King of kings and Lord of lords. He receives the authority to rule and reign over his father's kingdom, which is over all. That's an amazing thought to consider. So in Messianic Judaism, the Judaism of Messiah, in Messianic Judaism, Messiah is understood to be a Redeemer King. Let me just uh, read a couple other passages. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 5 through 7, it says this, For a child has been born to us, a son has been given us, and authority has settled on his shoulders. He has been named the Mighty God is planning grace. The Eternal Father a peaceable ruler in token abundant authority and of peace without limit upon David's throne and kingdom, that it may be firmly established in justice and in equity now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall bring this to pass. So this is a very powerful prophecy concerning the Messiah, that he will be born as a child unto Israel and that the government of his father, the king of kings, the authority of the kingdom, will will rest on his shoulders, and that he'll take that abundant authority and that peace that's without limit, and he's going to rule and reign on David's throne and over his kingdom forever and ever. He's going to establish justice and equity forever and ever. And the zeal of the Lord himself is going to bring this to pass. This is a reference, of course, to the coming of Messiah and all that would take place, that he, the Messiah, would become King of kings and Lord of lords. And then also in Daniel, in chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, let me read this. It says, As I looked on in the night vision, one like a human being came with the clouds of heaven. He reached the Ancient of Days and was presented to him. Dominion, glory, and kingship were given to him. All peoples and nations of every language must serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingship one that shall not be destroyed. Now that is really a remarkable passage and certainly is connected theologically to Isaiah 9. This this passage in Daniel has one like a human being who ascends on the clouds into the heavenlies and is presented before the ancient of days and the kingdom of God is given to him. That dominion, that glory, that kingship that belongs to God is given to him and all the peoples and nations are given to him that they must serve him and his dominion will be an everlasting dominion. Why? It's the, it's our father's kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom and the Messiah receives that and he becomes the one who is over all of that. He's the ultimate king coordinated by his father. And uh, and that kingdom will have no end. And, and later it says, I don't have time to go into it, but it says that he's going to give that kingdom to his 
people. It's an amazing passage. I encourage you to get into it, especially as we come into Rosh Hashanah. Let me jump forward uh, into uh, Messianic Judaism. And I want to talk more about who, who Yeshua is in relationship to Rosh Hashanah. Acts chapter 2, verses 9 uh, through 11. This is uh, Yeshua post-resurrection, and uh, this is about his ascension. It's tied into the promise that was made in Daniel, or the prophecy that was made in Daniel, and is also found referred to in uh, Matthew 24. But they're standing around, and uh, Yeshua is about ready to ascend. He's already spoke some things to his disciples. And then it says in verse 9, After he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Think about that. This is the ascension into heaven. Who's ascending? This man, Yeshua, who claims to be the Messiah, risen from the dead. Just like it says in Daniel chapter 7, one like a human being came with the clouds of heaven. Here's Yeshua ascending with the clouds into heaven, out of their sight, and he's ascending into the heavenlies. Verse 10, And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Yeshua, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied in Daniel, the ascension of one like the Son of Man, Yeshua himself, Son of God and Messiah, post-resurrection, is now being exalted. He's going to be presented in the heavenlies, and the kingdom and the authority and the rule and the reign and the glory is going to be given to him just like Daniel prophesied. Acts 13, this also talks about uh, this ascension and coronation of the king uh, related, of course, to Yeshua the Messiah. Acts 13, 32, this is Paul. He says, And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to our fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children, and that he raised up Yeshua as it is also written in the second Psalm. And then he quotes Psalm chapter 2, you are my son, today I have begotten you. That's the liturgy of coronation in the ancient Near East, specific to, to uh, uh, the ancient Near, East, Near Eastern um, ceremony of coronation, especially, especially in Israel. So, so, you know, this whole coronation of King Jesus is taking place in that ascension, in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, Psalm 2 is being fulfilled. Verse 34. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. And then he quotes another passage. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. In other words, Yeshua the Messiah is becoming king and he's receiving the throne of David, the blessings of the kingdom of David, in which he will rule forever and ever as he reconciles all things to his father in heaven. And this is an amazing picture of the fullness, the fulfillment, if you will, of these ancient prophecies in Yeshua, the Messiah. Suffice it to say, there are numerous passages in the Jewish apostolic scriptures that make it clear that God has exalted his son, Yeshua, as Messiah and king over his kingdom in accordance with 
all the prophecies given in the Tanakh related to the Messiah becoming king. So our Messiah in Messianic Judaism, our Messiah or our, our celebration of Yom Teruah, yeah, it's going to focus on Yeshua, the Messiah, becoming king of kings and Lord of lords. We do believe that in Rosh Hashanah, one of the main themes is the coronation of our king. And we, we believe that the Tanakh is very clear that God places the Messiah on his throne and the Messiah receives that kingship. He is coordinated as king of kings and Lord of lords. And so in Yom Teruah, in a Messianic Yom Teruah, a Messianic Rosh Hashanah, we celebrate Yeshua the Messiah, who has become king of kings and Lord of lords. So we're going to all meet. Of course, we do this every year. We're going to meet at a beautiful park. And we're going to have grills ready to cook our festive meals and we're going to eat together and worship together. We're going to have uh, dancing and, and then some teaching. We're going to read liturgy specific to Yom Teruah and Rosh Hashanah. And then we're going to blow the trumpets, all of us, the old and the young. We're going to blow our trumpets together in the park in commemoration of Yeshua the Messiah, his coronation as King of Kings and Lord of Lords nearly 2,000 years ago. And then we're going to have a Tashlik ceremony where we're going to cast bread into a lake, all of us together. We're going to cast that bread into a lake, symbolizing the removal of our sins into the lake of forgetfulness through the atonement of Yeshua, the Messiah on the cross, that in him, we have an atonement. Our sins are forgiven and forgotten. And so we have a beautiful Tashlik ceremony that's going to emphasize that. And then we're going to share in communion, representing our standing before God in the new covenant, which Jeremiah prophesied and Yeshua initiated in his last Passover on earth. And then finally, we will then rejoice in that initial fullness of what Yom Teruah foreshadowed, the coronation of Messiah as king and the consummation, of course, of that fullness when he returns to earth to rule and reign from Jerusalem. That will be an amazing Yom Teruah. So in summary, I just want to say, if you believe in Yeshua as Messiah and King, make some plans to come and join us. Come and join us in the park to celebrate this great holy day of God that marks, at least as one of its main themes, the coronation of of Messiah as King. Come and celebrate with us. If, you, if you're not in our area, find someone who is celebrating Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah and go and celebrate with them. Go and enjoy the day. This day belongs to you. Um, and we encourage you to get out and take that time off with you and your family and come and celebrate this great occasion that memorializes Yeshua as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You can find more information on the front page of our website graftedin.com. That's G-R-A-F-T-E-D-I-N.com. Well, that concludes our program for this week. A special thanks to our great King, Yeshua the Messiah, and to you, our listeners and supporters, for making this podcast possible through your prayers and financial giving. Thank you. Know that in your prayers and financial giving, you are partnering with us as we advance the kingdom of Messiah in Israel, the United States, and throughout the world. We are a highly rated and listened to Messianic podcast on iTunes under the category of Judaism. 
Subscribe now. Pray with us. Give financially and share the vision and power of this podcast with everyone you know. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm your host, Pastor Mark, and until our next show, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Shalom. Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation located at 8891 Hose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303-761-9948 or visit our website at www.graftedin.com. God bless you and shalom.